Hey guys, welcome back to There'll Be Film for Series 2. Uh, before we start the series off properly, we're just going to do a mini-episode, or mini-sode, as it's called in the biz, um, just which is an opportunity for me, Stuart and Heidi to catch up, talk about the films we've seen in the interim, um, and then we'll be back properly next week. This series is doing things a little bit differently. We've got some format changes, we've um, got some new games. So yeah, this is going to be pretty, pretty, uh, it's new and improved. It's, it's like Godfather Part 2. Like, we're both continuing what was great about the first series, but introducing some new shit that's going to make it really pop. And then Series 3 will be like Godfather 3 in that it will be an unmitigated disaster um, and the responsibility will lie heavily at the feet of Sofia Coppola. I should also point out that this episode was recorded just before the SAG strike ended. Um, so there is an extended reference to the strike, which uh, within a matter of days has become humiliatingly irrelevant. Um. <laughs> so before we return next week with a really awesome guest, uh, enjoy this mini episode or minisode. Enjoy the minisode. We're live. Hello and welcome back to There'll Be Film Season 2. I'm Nathan Darcy Roberts and I'm here once again with Heidi Regan and Stuart Laws. How's it going, guys? I'm really good. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm a little bit stressed out that neither of you turned up in suits like we agreed. <laughs> At the moment, because you're both wearing black t-shirts and I'm in a suit, it looks like we've turned up for me to do my one-man show and you're teching it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it more as um, me and Nathan. You're here for an interview and we're the cool theatre people interviewing you right and you've overdressed and yeah. we're about to say our vibe here is relaxed <laughs> yeah we're like sort of like a cool millennial gen z startup and you're mm. from a different generation who still wear suits and ties yeah <laughs> you say that and then you immediately both take a hit off a bong <laughs> and i'm like ah, fuck. i feel we'd microdose in that situation right you're microdosing hits off of a bong yeah, it gives yeah. us our ideas for the <laughs> team little. meetings from our bong. It's a tiny little bong, and we just take a nice little hit. Just a tiny. I, I am wearing a suit underneath. I, I use stripper techniques where I come in in my slacks, and then at one point we'll take tear off the, the jumper and reveal a suit underneath. Fascinating. You wear and all then I'll the tear off the suit you need for the day. Yeah, in the I'm order like you need doll, <laughs> Like a Russian doll stripper. Like we'll go down and down until you finally get to, to balls and dong. And do yeah. we get down to the what? Balls and dong. Oh, balls and dong. <laughs> yeah. And do we ever get down to your heart? Wow. Ooh. No, nope. that will that dong. will that will be extra. To get to the heart, it will be extra. <laughs> nice. And I guess if you are planning your day like that, you can only ever go swimming at the end of the day. Uh, no, because I can wear it on top, but I will just sink straight to the bottom <laughs> with my heavy clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Where you pick up the half brick. And swim back up with it in your fully clothes. <laughs> I saw a clip earlier today, which is kind of movie adjacent, of a guy who comes to a children's party dressed as Spider-Man and he dives in a pool but accidentally waterboards himself. <laughs> so you see him dive in this pool and instantly panic trying to take the mask off. And kids are like splashing water in his face because they think it's fun, not knowing they're <laughs> inadvertently engaging in Gitmo-level interrogation. <laughs> Wait, Imagine. was this a real? It had really happened. It, yeah, it was at a like kid's birthday party. This guy in full Spider-Man costume was like, "I'm going to dive in the pool," and <laughs> instantly realised his his mistake. So it's been three months, I guess, since the last episode, and in that time, we have been doing nothing 
but watching films. We've yeah. been like Howard Hughes uh, tucked away in his little office, like the like the uh, the man from the Matrix. I can't remember his name. White suit man. What's the guy's name? Architect. The, the architect. The architect who, I, if I understand the Matrix correctly, just watched telly. That's what you like to do, correct? Yeah, and- CCTV. Yeah, and kept bottles of his own piss that he then drank, I think. Yeah. Ergo. (laughs) (laughs) Bottles of other chosen ones piss, like different Neos. Yeah, a Neo comes in, piss in a bottle, and then he drinks it to show that he's a lad, and then they carry on. This one's the one. Yeah. (laughs) And then when Neo Neo starts talking and he just turns at the TV so he can carry on watching Dexter's Laboratory. (laughs) Yes, yes. Has anyone um, ever noticed that the word lavatory is actually spelt lava Tories? Oh my god! And if you can think about the worst sort of Tories in the world, it would be lava Tories, wouldn't it? Yeah. And also, what's one of the oldest? What's the oldest things on the planet? Lava, because yeah. we have a molten core. So perhaps Tories are fossils that have come from the lava. So it's like like the ancient beings from Prometheus. They've been here the entire time. And that's why their views are also old-fashioned. And when they're and what, also hot. What mm. fights lava? Water? Yes. Labour is water because when you go into labour, what Your breaks? Your water breaks! Oh, my oh. God. Oh, my ah. God. <laughs> <laughs> We've solved the political crisis. <laughs> and what's the alternative? Green. Coalition. Green is the other element. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Coalition. <laughs> Sorry, I said my catchphrase too soon. <laughs> Um, what movies have you guys seen? Past Lives was my highlight at the cinema. Did you mm. cry? Yes. Like, Did you? A lot at the end. And I'm not, well, I used to not cry in movies. Uh, something has changed. But this one at the end, bawling as much as I bawled at the end of, um, well, not quite as much, but the end of Belfast for very mm. similar Do you mean bawling in crying or bawling like straight bawling? Uh, I was straight balling. I turned to my wife and I said, get ready for some straight balling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) You rubbed your thumb against your grill and put out your gold chain. It was pretty sick. Yes, yes. Yeah, I love Past Lives. Um, I will say my only regret, it didn't make me cry. I want to watch it again. I think I was so, I think my expectations were so astronomically high. Did I just I jump in here before you give it? So like, when I said straight balling like a bitch, I wasn't accusing Heidi of being a bitch or just using, I was uh, quoting the schoolboy Q track. So I just wanted oh. that to be clear. Uh, it was just a coincidence that in this case, Heidi's really yeah, acting Heidi, a, a little <laughs> bit. Heidi was being word. a bitch at the time. Is, and <laughs> is, this, is this still your job interview? <laughs> I'd just like to jump in there. Sorry. <laughs> and also stop hogging the bong. um i did not have high expectations like as in i just thought it was going to be a nice film um Mm. but yeah so had you heard a lot of hype i'd seen some hype but i kind of i saw the trailer twice um when i saw when i did barbenheimer i saw it before both films and the trailer like nearly reduced me to tears so i was like oh this is gonna be it and so i think i was caught off guard a little bit by the structure and what it turned out to be i thought it was more like a condensed before sunset narrative but i really liked it but i thought the more i thought about it the more it really sat with me yeah i think i i bawled because uh similar to belfast just the very ending it hit me as a it just made me very homesick because it was all 
her going, oh, that is my former life. This is my life here, blah, blah. Even though I'm not like missing my childhood lover, but I was just like, I miss my friends. <laughs> and But my wife was bawling as well, like straight bawling. And um, she, uh, so hers was not Your about that. Your wife was straight bawling. Mm. Interesting. So it's eight minutes you've brought up. Eight minutes into the record, you brought up your wife. No, I brought her up earlier. Did you? I didn't <laughs> yeah. even notice. You missed it. You're starting to finally accept that women can be married. <laughs> it's only taken a whole season. <laughs> and that's that's the message of past lives. That's the theme. Yeah. Women can finally marry. <laughs> <laughs> she walks back to her husband waiting on the steps and says, do you know women can finally marry Finn? <laughs> um, what did you think of it, Stu? So I, um, I went into it feeling like this is going to be a great film. And I think that carried me through what was an otherwise fine first half of the film. Mm-hmm. Maybe slightly undercooked but I think necessary for the second half to land like it did. And so yeah, I, did I, it I, land? In hindsight, I'm like the second, the first half is a, is a little bit like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like on the hook because I was like, oh, this is great. Also, I think that opening, the way they opened the scene, the film as well helped on that. It was weirdly structured like a J.J. Abrams TV show where it was all like mission, the opening to Mission Impossible 3. Can you remind me how it opened? So it opens with the conversation. Tom Cruise is hanging from a rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, how many minutes in are we before you've mentioned Mission Impossible? <laughs> Look, Mission it's Impossible okay to be is straight. your wife. <laughs> um, um, oh, yeah. It was the conversation. It was like the teaser of. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So in Mission Impossible 3, it opens with uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman saying, Where's the rabbit's foot? And Tom Cruise. Uh, Ethan Hunt sort of strapped up and he's like gives him a countdown to from 10 and if he doesn't reveal it he'll shoot his wife Julia and then oh. it finishes with Philip Seymour Hoffman shooting his wife and then it's like boom, dang, does all the stuff and then you know, then it's like three months earlier does she die spoilers look I'm not going to reveal anything it's very a very exciting start but JJ Abrams used to do that a lot in Alias and he does it a lot in he did it a lot in Lost as well and it's mm. a, I know no it's not it's it's an old structural technique just to be like here's the thing let's find out how we got there but, and did Philip Seymour Hoffman die in real life no spoilers <laughs> <laughs> past lives opens with that sort of scene where you're just like yeah is it the you know the discussion of like, is it their brother or like, are they going out? Who's what, you know, all yeah, of that yeah. stuff. And you're like, ooh. And so I mm. think that combined with me being excited to see it and it being so beautiful, like shot on film, I was like, okay, this is good. But in hindsight, I think the first half was slow and a little bit unfocused. But maybe that yeah. helped make the second half land as well as it did. Yeah. Because it's I completely agree. the second half. I think the second half is when it became the film that I was anticipating. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's when it had real conflict. I think, and I really love how it used the, um, her husband as a like support mechanism. He wasn't mm. introducing conflict. I think yeah. that made the entire thing so much great. more beautiful and yeah. uh, really like added texture to this analysis of like what it means to love someone and all the different ways that you can express your love for someone. I think that up was to that what... point, I thought it was just fucking. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think that's why, spoiler, I loved the ending so much, the way it ended with her bursting into tears and him hugging her. That was like one of the best endings to a film I think I've seen. Yeah, amazing. I really, I love seeing representations of like real connections like that. Yeah. Above and beyond like those like, oh, they're meant to be together forever and all these like grand love stories, but like the 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 reality of that situation of like turning your back on the movie love story mm. yeah, for the reality yeah. and him not being histrionic, him not being, you know, you know, properly representing his like anxieties and his worries and all of that, but then him ultimately being supportive and yeah. being there for her. I just thought it was like a really beautiful, realistic uh, representation. Yeah, this acceptance well, that like it's just a sad scenario. It, it fundamentally can't work, and sometimes you're just meant to be a significant feature in someone else's life for a period. Sometimes yeah. you're not main cast; you just come in for one season, and that's that's the role. I'm always main zany character that appears and <laughs> makes myself the main character, even in this conversation. Yeah, the zany character is always the main character, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that. Uh, when we talk about slow films, you guys—it's usually you guys being moved and not bored, and me going, "It was so slow, and it was just vibes, and it made me grumpy, and I drank wine." And this is—I uh, <laughs> don't remember being uh, bored at the start, but and I wonder if that's to do with it was still short enough length to not upset me because it was like a normal film length, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like an hour fifty or something. Were you drinking wine at the time? Probably, <laughs> but I drank wine, wine for Oppenheimer and it did not help with Heidi's attention span. I would say it was a, ma- a huge hindrance to my attention span. Yeah, more How like many wires on do you the have? wine, her. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Oppenheimer, I just, I think I just had one glass we got on the way in, but I just remember going, I am so confused by this film and now, and I think the wine has really not helped my attention span. <laughs> <laughs> what so a bougie, privileged way to engage with one of the most awful atrocities in <laughs> modern human history. You're just well, wine like drunk, <laughs> rubbing your finger around the inside of the glass to get the last vestiges of wine. <laughs> Do you know, 40 minutes I, into the film. Before I moved to the UK... Um, drinking in cinemas in Australia was not a thing that I ever came across and the only time I'd be like the normal cinemas I went to I don't think sold any alcohol I thought you were and then I went to the movies with some work friends who smuggled in a six-pack of beer and they got drunk and I wasn't drinking and I was looking at them genuinely thinking they are alcoholics that why would you ruin a film you've paid for by drinking and then not experiencing it right? And then I moved here and I was like, why are people drinking at the cinema? And now I will go in and go, how long is the film? Going to need a wine to get through this torture <laughs> of sitting and being entertained. Got to go off in my head with a little bit of the wine. Need a little six pack of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Just a box of wine, like underneath a baseball cap, really poorly <laughs> hidden. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. It was an atrocity, and I did. Uh, I really should have respected that. But I was like, I don't think. I don't know if they are. They might not respect it either. So I'm going to drink through it. <laughs> so basically, whenever you go and see a film, and you see the running time, you your face is like 
Oppenheimer's face right at the end of Oppenheimer. <laughs> I wouldn't know because I forget it. I forget what it looks like. I was probably looking at my watch or shaking an empty wine glass at my wife and saying, why don't you cook I guess it's the same face at the end of Oppenheimer that Job does in Arrested Development whenever he messes up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, I've made a huge mistake, huge mistake. Right, you've invented the nuclear bomb. I think the film would have been better if he had looked to camera and said that. <laughs> yeah, I think he should have should looked to camera and gone, uh-oh, and then cut to black. Uh, Oppenheimer. <laughs> I think, how much do you think the film would have held my attention if he had addressed the camera constantly throughout? What, like Malcolm like in the three. middle? Flea bag, I was going to go with. <laughs> Definitely flea bag winks to camera. Yeah, yeah. And who is it? And it's it's only our uh, Einstein that that can also knows that she's yeah, do, he's like doing the priest, like the hot yeah. priest. He's the hot priest. And um, what did you and guys think And it does open with Oppenheimer saying, "Do you ever think that you've got a giant arsehole? Then Oppenheimer comes up really hard with clattering <laughs> music. <laughs> Uh, I loved Oppenheimer. I thought it was fantastic, and I am very much looking forward to watching it again on my TV. I'd like—I was about to say on the small screen, but then I, I took one look at my TV and thought that's not a small screen. <laughs> <laughs> my TV is a small screen, and it ruins films. So ah. I am not looking forward to ever watching it. Um, Nathan, what did you think of Oppenheimer? I really liked it. I thought Oppenheimer was a big accomplishment. I enjoyed it. I didn't expect to like it. I do feel like it was um, just an endless ticker tape of exposition, but that is kind of Christopher Nolan. My big issue, my big issue with it is just that it doesn't have any heart. I think yeah. it's really, I think it's a really big achievement, but like, yeah, it's, I don't think you really get to the core of who he is as a person. And I do think Christopher Nolan's. Um, it's almost like a was it hagiography? Like he wants to like canonize what a great man Oppenheimer was, and kind of skirts around the moral quandary of it yeah. a little bit too much. Like it's there, but what I would consider that to be the most significant part of the story, where for Nolan the most significant part is that history um, failed to recognize his achievements. Yeah, I do you think he was purposefully not letting us get to know Oppenheimer. Yeah, I think he lo- I think he genuinely like admires Oppenheimer and also I don't think Christopher Nolan is that great with uh humanity. That's what I love Interstellar. I think Interstellar's maybe his best film because that has actually got heart that has real heart. It's oh bit, my god. It's like saccharine but it's got heart. Yeah, the bit in Interstellar where he watches the video of his daughter the messages from his daughter over the years, that makes me cry every time. Mm. I've watched that recently and I do find it hilarious how how completely indifferent he is to his son. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's like, I will travel through time and space to tell my little girl how much I love her. And his son has like lost two kids and he's like, he's fine. He's getting on all right. His daughter's like, she's emotionally damaged, but she's got a really great job. She's like, you know, moving on in the world. Casey Affleck is like living in dust. Did the and son Connie lose just two doesn't kids care. in that? Yeah. Do you think that's why though? He because he knew he was going to grow up to be Casey Affleck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um... I think all parents should hedge their bets in case their children grow up to be Casey Affleck. So ignore the son just in yeah. case. <laughs> um, I found Oppenheimer genuinely. I I should watch it again 
because I felt so stupid by the end for how, like, it was so close to the end that I was looking at Robert Downey Jr. and going, seriously, who is this guy? (laughs) 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 Genuinely could not keep up with the exposition. And I was like, how dumb have I got that I cannot follow this film? (laughs) Yeah, but so you're like happily watching Avengers Endgame clocking in at three hours. I knew that would come up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's just... The obvious point there is that is a kid's film. They've clearly found a way to make it accessible for children and Heidi. (laughs) I don't think it's that confusing, though. I feel like this is kind of... I'm I'm worried about you, Heidi. Is this an intervention? Uh, Is there even a podcast? I feel like it's like getting a... It's like you failed a capture test. Can I show you three pictures of bicycles and you tell me which one is which? Yeah. I, I think I have in the last couple of years started to get so angry once a film goes over two hours that my brain shuts down as an impotent protest that hurts only myself. Mm. And I go, well, if you're not going to try and be concise, then I refuse to in any way understand this film. And I'm not (laughs) proud of it, and I'm not saying it's a good way to live your life, but I don't know. i got to talk to someone about it. (laughs) Talking of impotent protests. Thank you. (laughs) I was about to do the exact same segue. (laughs) I had to be corrected by Esther Minito because I – as a, a person who's had a vasectomy, kept referring to myself as impotent when what I meant was <laughs> um, was barren, I guess. Or like, <laughs> and she was oh. like, "You're not impotent," and I was like, "What do you mean?" She was like, "Impotent means that you can't get it up and you can't." <laughs> Is would you like to talk ha- about that? Story? Have you been saying this on stage? <laughs> I just was like, I think I hadn't been saying it on stage, but I was like. Isn't it funny that I'm, I'd am i been talking about it in person being like, I think it would be funny to do a routine about being impotent because it's such like an anti-masculine sort of thing. It'd be quite funny to sort of be up and be boastful of being impotent and was ex- like writing stuff. And then mm. I start to be like, no, because you're not. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that Oppenheimer was a metaphor for impotence? And I dealing think it with was, it? Yeah. yeah. And he kept going to the reason why... Um, well, the thing that Einstein whispered in his ear. It's the same thing he actually uh, that um, was whispered at the end of Lost in Translation. It was, you should get a vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> so Bill Murray whispered that to Scarlett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was worse in that one, and it's sort of tight. It's, you should get a hysterectomy. <laughs> <laughs> because... All of your problems are a result of hysteria. This is a problem. You stop moaning. Everything is fine. Yeah. But I think my big problem with Oppenheimer is that, because he's the opposite of impotent, and he was a real fuckhound, and I wanted to see more of that. That scene mm. where he's, like, sitting naked on the couch. Yeah. I want to see his dong. Show me. We want to see dong. Show me yeah. everything. Mm. It's the um, it's always sunny when they talk about, um, what is the action film that they love in, that's like oh. a lethal weapon sort of, equivalent sort of thing thunder gun express thunder gun express where they always talk about uh when they they're pitching their version of it and they're like and we see dong we see full <laughs> dong <laughs> and i want like oppenheimer to film the dong shot like he filmed the bomb like using real dongs yeah. it's in 70 mil <laughs> yeah yeah put pt P- paul thomas anderson could never <laughs> 
<laughs> if they had explained who Robert Downey Jr. was while there was full dong on screen, I think they would have got my attention a bit better. I would have spat my wine out. <laughs> what? <laughs> He's Oppenheimer, creator of the atomic dong. He has become death, destroyer of asses. <laughs> Heidi spitting her wine out and asking her wife for a divorce. <laughs> I didn't know this was an option. <laughs> um, Killers of the Flower Moon. I've not seen it yet. I'm just yeah continuing my applause that I gave out after the screening. Just every time nervous. it's mentioned, I will continue the applause. It's that I mean, it's only time. half an hour longer than Oppenheimer. Yeah, yeah. and ha- what happened to my brain in Oppenheimer? <laughs> It doesn't. I know that you're not going to believe this, Heidi, but it does not feel like three and a half hours in length. I'm gonna go in without any wine. That's my one concession, so that I can actually and focus. And I feel then. like it'll be a lot more interest, uh, yes. easy to keep my attention than Oppenheimer. Yeah, races packets of revels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go in with with Maltesers. Ah, Sorry, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I would say. Uh, <laughs> um, Something that might also help your attention is that the um, the band The Killers lead lead person is called Brandon Flowers, and they've often played underneath the moon. <gasps> and he okay, also presents me... his bare backside at the at the end of every encore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, is there a reference to the in something in the film I haven't yeah. seen? He sings, no, "I've I... got our soul, but I'm not an our soldier." <laughs> <laughs> well, portraits of Native American um, <laughs> figures are projected in the background. It's offensive. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like is it like, what, the thing he did in um, Georgia when he brings the Russian guy out? Like he's really not sort of picked up on the mood. Uh, I think it's a, I just rewatched The Irishman yesterday. I watched it last night, and I think they are. I think Killers of the Flower Moon is to The Irishman what Casino is to Goodfellas. I think they are both really like kindred spirits. They're kind of about similar themes. Lovely. They, they complement each other nicely. Lovely stuff, actually. I read a lovely article on Vox.com about how Scorsese, Scorsese's, apparently that's how you're supposed to pronounce it, Scorsese. Um, that's, Jay, that's, from, that's from Thelma. Who's Thelma? Thelma Shoemaker says that that's how you pronounce it, the editor. And she's edited all of his films for like oh, okay. 30, 40 years. Mm. Um, Scorsese's endings recently or or, or since, um, what's the um, the religious one from a few years back? Silence. Silence, apparently, from then have like all this similar sort of like reflection on life. And that's mm. the, the, you know, the, the ending of uh, Flower, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon with the... the radio play without spoiling stuff is like such an interesting like uh self-reflective and sort of putting onto the audience of like this is how we're consuming this sort of media and this is me as a filmmaker presenting this these sort of stories to you but actually is that okay is really Mm. interesting and then that final shot of the osage um drum ring or drum circle is this a spoiler no no that's fine it's just, yeah, it's just How such it... a good ending. And also the ending of The Irishman with De Niro sort of by himself and having That's been, incredible. you know. Is Irishman good? I never, 
I haven't it watched is that three one. and a half hours long. I will also say, like, so, <laughs> I think it's incredible. I think the only thing the Irish one, you do have to get past the the aging element. You have to like yeah. meet it. You have to meet it head on with that. Like, it's it doesn't work entirely, but it's kind of similar to past lives. Like, what that leads on to completely justifies it. Like, I think the yeah. last half hour of the Irishman is one of the best things Scorsese has ever done. It's beautiful, and I love what like both films explore in that there are these huge like historical tragedies, huge seismic events in history, but the world moves on and they all just mm-hmm. fade away with the ashes of time to nothingness. Almost like it's kind of like they remind me of Barry Lyndon a lot in a big way. Um, how does it compare to the TikToks he's doing with his <laughs> granddaughter or daughter? <laughs> Uh, they both slay. They both slay. Okay, They're yeah. both giving. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really here for both of them. Yeah. They, Killers they of kept the f- my attention. Killers of the Flower <laughs> Found my format. really serves cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are the big releases. What else have you caught up with? I just watched Bo is Afraid the other day. Has anyone seen Bo is Afraid? No. What's it's, that? It's the new Ariasta who made Midsummer and um, Hereditary. Mm, Again, I- three hours long. It is... A mess. Yeah. But it for an hour, it was not only my film of the year, but like one of my favorite films I think I've ever seen. And then it kind of just sort of fades away. But for an hour, for a good hour, it is, I will carry on. I will go back and watch that first hour, 90 minutes again and again. The rest I'll give or take. It really is because it's about like just a man who is overwhelmed by the world and how, so it's just this guy being enduring the onslaught of existence and it's so oh. funny it's one of the funny that first hour is one of the funniest films i've seen in forever I it's just too long want to see it initially when i was like all right ariasta new film great this is gonna be great and then i just saw more and more about it, it was like you know what i cannot be bothered that feels what made you not doing. want to bother just the running time the sort of the vibe i saw so I, I know you shouldn't read reviews or anything like that but i was just like oh it's not getting like the, the buzz on it was not good. It is messiest, but I would say it's my favourite of his. It's the one that I've liked the most, or I've gotten the... When it hits, it's hit harder than any of his others. It's just messier. I like the concept. What I don't like seen, the running Andy? time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, I feel like it would... I couldn't... I can't recommend you to... That would be the third film around three hours I recommended you, Heidi. I feel yeah, that'd yeah. Be, that's cruel. That's not fair. Um, I'm going to um, give a little shout out to a horror film called Cobweb. Ooh. that I watched, which had Lizzie Kaplan in and the guy, I forgot his name, is Anthony someone who plays uh, Homelander in The Boys, mm. Anthony Starr. Um, it was genuinely, I, I, I just had like a couple of hours spare. It was on, I hadn't heard anything about it. And it suffers like in the final like five minutes of showing fully what the, the big scary is, which you know, any other thing like that does suffer. But it was interesting because for the first half hour, I was like, oh, my God, this is like classic sort of ticking all the boxes of a kid who's like disturbed by something is a bit of a loner. You know, the teacher sees him do a drawing that's disturbing, goes and complains to the parents, all of that. And I was like, oh, my God, are we really doing this? But all of that is there deliberately to then subvert all of that from like as it kicks into the second act. And I thought it was great. And it was really disturbing, really like chilling stuff mm. until those things. And then the final five minutes, you're like, that's fine. Okay, we've seen it, but it's not, you know, not ideal, but fine. But I'm sad that I'll never be able to watch it. Sounds very clever, but 
Mm. Yeah, horror. No, thank you. <laughs> it was just you. very neatly it's done. Spooky. I it was it was good. Yeah, very low is budget. The, is the reveal that the monster is Homelander? Is it a crossover from <laughs> the, the boys? monster inside all of us? I'm very excited for the new season of The Boys. I know that's TV again. I think Stop I'm bringing, the TV this is the correspondent. Problem, Heidi, on this. Is that you've got your your attention span doesn't stretch now. So what you'll do is you'll happily watch six hours of TV in a row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you won't is, commit to Killers of the Flower Moon. This has been well, covered extensively on TikToks about people's attempt. Like, I can't watch a film, but I can watch eight hours of a film. Yeah, yeah. I am the worst. I suggest what genuinely the Killers of the Brandon Flowers' Moon is <laughs> such a good film. It is genuinely extraordinary. You've got to yeah. watch it. I will watch yeah. it. Um, and this is an aside. And my final recommendation is Scrapper. That's also very good. Um, Scrapper? What's that? Scrapper. Small British indie film. It's about this little girl. She's 12. Uh, she's really like, um, she's like a little ball of hurricane of energy. And she's living by herself um, after the recent death of her mum. And she's really self-sufficient. And then her estranged father comes back. Oh, the trailer for that looked amazing. It's really fun, really sweet. And not, I was kind of preparing for a bit of a kitchen sink British drama. But like, it's just really, it's really lovely. It's really sweet. Oh, I want to see that. That's nice. Is that at the movies? It's on Amazon now. I watch (gasps) it on BFI through Amazon. But if you get like, you get like a free trial or something. Okay, I don't have to leave my house. You have me. <laughs> and it's 90 minutes. <gasps> Maybe even 85. This is my film of the year already. <laughs> <laughs> I shan't be seeing it, From but I am recommending. Obviously going through a mental health crisis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because I've got every night for two weeks booked up, so going to the cinema for a three and a half hour film is not... Log- not logistically possible. Yeah, because you want to get some kissing time in, don't you? Yeah. The wife's away. Oh, <laughs> and yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> While the cat's away. Oh, I don't like this joke. No, horrible, yeah. horrible. Mm. But anyway, yeah, I'll come round and watch that movie. With you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of the catch-up episode of There Will Be Film. Uh, I think we've caught up on every single film that has been made in that period and also i want to make it clear that none of us are sag after affiliated so we are allowed to talk about films without breaking the picket line um and even if we were i think it's safe to say we would all be scabs mm-hmm. so yeah this is one for um so thank you for listening this is one for the scabs out there take it easy <laughs> please you're working real hard right now to keep the industry afloat just want to say you're doing god's work thank you so much <laughs> Big up to AI as well. Oh and big up to God. AI. Yeah, please help us with the algorithm AI. Please give us a boost. We're here for you. It's giving. <laughs> um, and also just that t- Ted Sarandos, thank you for working so hard. Thank you for your email today, letting me know that my Netflix subscription will be going up again. Thank I you got that so too. much. Yeah. Oh, I haven't got that yet. Yeah, so big Teddy, thank you so much. Mug, big love. We'll see you next week when we'll be having uh, our first inaugural special guest see ya bye